can find a seat. And as you do, uh, you can uh, grab a Bible. Uh, we're going to turn our attention to God's Word. As we just sang, we do believe that here. We believe that the Lord is here in this place, that He's working, and that He has something to say to us today. And uh, we see what He has for us in His Word. As we uh, turn our attention to God's uh, written Word, we believe that uh, He has instruction, uh, He has encouragement, He has direction for us. And it is a joy to be able to study and to look at it together each and every week. If we didn't have a chance to meet, my name is Dave Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to welcome you if this is your first time with us. We're so glad to be able to worship together. And as we turn to God's Word, we are going to be in James. We're continuing on in our series that we've been in this fall, walking through this short book. And we have just a little bit um, in front of us. We are almost uh, through the whole thing. So next week is actually going to be our last week uh, in James. And as we turn our attention uh, this morning, uh, I have an observation that I want to kind of throw out there and see if you agree. Uh, I think that the, the speed of our world is continuing to increase. Right? Things are getting faster and faster. Things are moving at a more rapid pace, uh, so much so to the point that uh, we kind of uh, don't even know what to do when things take a little bit more time. Right? Because here's, here's not, not just the observation of things moving faster, but my, my, my observation is that I think the speed of our world is producing in us a lack of patience around things. Let me explain to you what I mean. Um, uh, I remember, I'm old enough to remember a time when if you wanted to buy something, you had to do this thing that, you, um, that people used to do a lot of. They would go to the store and buy it, right? And, and, and a lot of times what you would have to do is you would go to the store totally unknowing if that store was actually going to have the thing that you were trying to find, right? And so sometimes you didn't just go to one store. You'd have to go to multiple stores. Sometimes it'd be out of stock. Sometimes they don't sell it. And so you'd go to different stores and you would spend a day kind of going around, especially Christmas time coming up, right? You want to buy that perfect gift. You had to go from store to store to store to try and find it. Today, uh, if you want something, chances are you can find it within seconds on that device, like right on your phone, right? And even if you wanted to get it from the store, you can do a search to find out if that item is in stock and you can have somebody bring it from the store out to your car so you don't even have to be bothered to go inside to get it, right? Like when we can get groceries delivered within hours, uh, now it's like two days isn't fast enough, we gotta get like four hours. I mean, sometimes, I swear, like sometimes it's like, I'll order something and that guy with the little brown shorts like is knocking on my door with my package like before. I'm like, I just ordered that like four seconds ago. Like, were you just waiting out there with it? Like, how did you know? It's, it's, it's so quick because I remember um, in the back of like certain magazines, you could order like little pranks, you know, you should buy like a little hand shocker thing or like a fake you know, finger or something. I don't, I forget. Like, you know, it's crazy things. And so I remember like saving up my cash and, um, and then I would order something and you had to pay the, um, the S&H fee. Do you remember that? The shipping and handling. Man, wild times, right? Different, different world. And so I remember it'd say like shipping estimated between six and eight weeks. When you are like six years old, six and eight weeks might as well be six to eight years. Like it, it felt like an eternity waiting for that fake vomit to come. Like I'm like, I need it now. You know, I, I need that thing now. And, and my kids don't even have a concept or understand that. They certainly don't understand what it was like to watch TV live. Like, again, not that long ago, we used to gather around the TV, and there would be a certain time that a show would come on, and everybody, if they wanted to watch it, would watch it. If you weren't able to make it at that time, you had two options. 
You could uh, either find or knew someone really savvy with a VCR, right? You could even set the time. You could record it with a VCR, like pre-TiVo and, and all the DVR stuff now that there is. But you would set a VCR. My grandma loved to record programs on the VCR. The problem, maybe you ran into this too, is we, I can't tell you the number of movies that I don't know how they end. Because we would get to the end of the VCR tape, like, you know, and, and then something else would come on. We're like, no, Grandma, you did it again, right? And like, had no clue how the movie ends because it got taped over. She was, she was very thrifty, and so she would reuse those, those VCR tapes. Like, we'd watch something, then she'd get a new one on there, but it did not always capture the end, right? Or that, you know, game got missed or something like that. See, it used to be that you, you had just had to, you had to do that. Oh, I said there was two options. The other option was you just missed it. And just didn't see it, right? And then people would talk about it. That, that's kind of how it goes. Now, shows come out, like some show came out this last week that my kids were super excited about. They're like, how many episodes can we watch? Like, I, no, just take it one at a time. Like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, the, the, it gets to the end of the episode, and it's already counting down and starting to that other one. I mean, you can fly through shows now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait for it to come out. You don't have to even wait through commercials. You can fast forward through that little intro if you want to. I mean, all of it. We want it quicker. We want it now. I got more. Drive-throughs, drive-throughs now have, not, one lane's not fast enough, they all have two. So now it's like more and more, you, like you see that line, you're like, ah, oh, I'm gonna go somewhere else. I can't, I, don't, I, I can't be bothered to wait you know, for that. And then, this is the one I, I, I really think is gonna be special for us, the internet. Like some of us are frustrated at how long, like if we have to wait more than like 17 seconds for a download, we're like, I can't believe this thing, right? But some of you, some of you remember a very different internet world, right? Remember dial-up? Dial up, okay, I think you know where this is going. I have this for you, just to kind of take us all back. Um, can we play the, uh, the this, this little, this might sound a little familiar to you. There, that's what you're waiting for, right? You wanted that little sound? Like, we're golden now, we're, we're good to go. And now you're on the internet, right? Like that's how it worked. So literally in the first service, I didn't warn my kids or anything. So my oldest two, they're uh, 14 and um, I'm going to get this wrong, 11, almost 12. Um, <laughs> we're sitting right here and they have this like confused look like, dad, what are you doing? Why are you playing this sound for all these people? And I asked them, I said, have you ever heard that before? And they're like, we have no idea what that is. Like I could tell based on their, their face. And I'm like, okay, that's how you got on the internet. And I could, again, I'm, I, just, I just read their face. They're like, what? How do you get on the internet? You're always on the internet. Like that's not something you have to get on. You just you're you're on the internet. Like what what do you mean on the internet? Like what are we talking about here? And I had to explain to them. Well, you know, they're, they're used to like phone. This this is not a phone. This this didn't exist. The phones lived on the wall, and they were connected by a cord. And then there was a cord that went into your computer. And then if you wanted to get on the internet, you had to like call a number through your computer and it would connect. And that's what all those tones were. And then you'd get on. And then you had like a blazing three megabytes like, or three megabits per uh, minute or something like that. I mean, basically, I remember this. Here's, here's kind of my, my, my remembrance of the speed is that there was times that I wanted to download something. It wasn't even a large file but I would set it before I would go to bed because it was gonna take, like, remember four or five hours? The worst was you would wake up in the morning and it's like, download failed. You're like, no, right? I have to like wait a whole nother day and do it all over again. Like, it, it was just like, it was very different times. Now, again, we clip something, we want it there. 
Um, you know, there, we're in a conversation. Used to be able to like things we would just know, like conversation would just sit and like things would be unsolved. Someone would ask a question. It's like, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's interesting to ponder. Let's think about that for a second. Now, somebody asks a question, like four seconds later, like, I got it. You know, look it up, and then you got, you got the answer. Like, immediately, immediately. There's so many more examples that, that we, we, could, we could give. But the point is this. I believe <laughs> that everything faster now, here, it's not making us more, kind of more time, more patience, more, like, easygoing, right? We just want more even faster. And so what I believe, I believe that this, the speed that our world is moving at is creating within us a lack of patience. That is the unseen effect of all of these changes. It's moving us to a place where we have a hard time being patient. But Scripture says that patience, I believe, is a virtue that the Lord is trying to cultivate in our lives. And that is the subject that James turns to next in his, uh, in his letter to the church. Uh, we're calling the sermon this morning, Be Patient, because that is the call for the church, is to wait with patience, to not be anxious, to not, to not expect that it's just going to be instantly available, like, like you know, done this minute and, and, and totally uh, ready at, at, at all times, but that there might be some time between where we are and where we want to be. Writing to the church, let's, uh, if you have your copy of Scripture, we're in James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7. It says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. We are called to be patient. And James here, writing to the church, encourages this for many reasons and in, in, in a few different places. The first place that we see, we're just going to kind of walk our way through it. It's this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. We're called to be patient because the Lord is coming soon. The Lord is coming soon. That's the first place that James goes to in establishing the reason for our patience. It says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Now, I think it's going to be helpful for us to understand specifically the kind of patience that he's talking about. Now, patience, I think we often think about in circumstances, right? Um, you know, we, we, are we there yet is, is the question that comes from, like, my backseat when we're going. Like, you know, can we, can, are, we, are we there yet? Can we get there? I think sometimes that's the question that we throw at God. Like, are we there yet? Right? Can, can, we, can we arrive yet? Is this, is this where you would have us be? We often think about it with things or stuff, you know, just being patient for, for the stuff that we want or need. But this, uh, this particular word that James uses here actually has a nuance to it. It's not so much about things. It's not so much about circumstances. This word patient is actually um, directed towards people. 
And so what James is actually saying is not just be patient kind of in the, in the abstract or sort of general. He's saying be patient toward people with one another. That's what he's really going after here. And I believe that, that he uses this word because it comes right on the heels of the theme that we looked at last week. If you were here last week, James was writing to those who were rich. And presumably, the way that he writes to them, it's, it's those that are outside of the church. These are unsaved um, people that are, are taking advantage of others, and they're abusing, um, uh, they're abusing people. They're, see, they're holding back wages, and they're, um, they're, they're seeking their own gain and their own uh, kind of luxury, and there's a self-indulgence that's kind of going. And then, and then out of that, he says, be patient, therefore, right? So in response to this, the assumption is that maybe some in the church are being taken advantage or, 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 or being mistreated uh, by these, um, these rich and, and their wickedness. And what he's saying here is be patient with them. Don't take up your own act of vengeance. So this is the idea. He's calling for an attitude of self-restraint that doesn't try to get even for the wrong that's been done. It's long-suffering patience towards others. So that's what we're talking about this morning, specifically as we're talking about patience. We're not just talking about patience with circumstances. We're talking about patience with people. We're being patient with each other. So he says, be patient, therefore, brothers. And what's the reason? Where does our patience come from? He says right there, he says, until the coming of the Lord. He says, see how the farmer produces fruit or uh, waits for the uh, precious fruit of the earth, being patient until it receives the early and late rains. Be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The motivation for our patience is the return of the Lord. It's soon. It's near. Or a little more old school, it's nigh, right? It's coming. It's very, it's very close. And because of that, we can respond with this, this establish our hearts, that's this picture of, of, of our hearts being firm, standing firm, strengthened, uh, strong in the inner man. The picture of being solid and unmoved by trouble. It's unswayed by the difficulty that it's walking through. And the thing that's, that's the foundation that our hearts are standing upon, that we are strong in, is because the Lord is coming soon. And here's the reality, church, is I don't know that we often think about the Lord's return um, or maybe I should say it this way, we don't think about the Lord's return near as often as we should. I think it's a lot more helpful for us. The, the picture that we see in the New Testament is that the church lived with the idea that it is going to happen very soon, like probably this week, maybe next month, but I hope it happens today, right? Like that's kind of the idea. And I think that because time has passed, like here we are in the year 2022, that we're like, well, you know, it's already been a couple thousand years, maybe Maybe it's going to be another couple thousand. And so what we tend to do is we sort of lull ourselves into this place that, that it feels like this distant thing. Like we do hope it comes today, but we don't really expect that it's going to. And that's what he's saying. He's saying live with the confident expectation that the Lord is coming soon. The shorthand for this is at hand. Like we are in the last days. The last days are the days before Christ returns. And maybe the reason that we're not so moved by this is because we forget the picture of what exactly is going to happen. Can I remind us this morning of what is happening when the Lord returns? Revelation 21 paints a picture for us. It begins in verse 1 and it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God 
prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Listen, church, we need to long and look for this day. This is the day that James is saying is soon, when the mourning will cease, when the reason for tears is gone, when that injustice has been righted, when the broken things have been set whole again, right? This is the picture of what is happening when the Lord returns. And so because of that, we can, like the farmer then, wait patiently for the timing of God. See, that picture is a good one. It says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rain. There was kind of two rainy seasons in the uh, uh, kind of calendar for the, the harvest uh, schedule. And so when, when the crops were planted shortly after, there was often a, a rainy season that would come. And then, and then there was one more that came at the very end. And both were necessary to produce a fruitful, bountiful harvest. So the idea or the picture, what James is talking about is like, hey, remember, remember how the farmer, he can't just give up halfway through the growing season and say, you know what, that's enough. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna harvest. It's like, no, he has to wait. He has to wait for everything to run its course and for, and for that rain to come. And then, and then he can harvest. Then there will be fruit. He said, in the same way, you and I get to wait patiently. The reason that we're able to wait with patience is because it is happening soon. So here's the reality, church, is that we need to live as though it is going to happen soon because that is the reality that God has given us. And so the reality is this, is that we're closer today than we were yesterday, right? Like we're closer to the return of God right now in this service than before we began. With each passing hour, with each passing day, with each passing week, we are closer to when this day is coming. And so because of that, our hearts can move toward this place of patience, knowing that it is going to happen. It is going to come. He says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. Wait for the return of the Lord. It is at hand. It is soon. So be established. So what is this? What does this look like? It's this. Church, we are called to have a confident expectation of the Lord's return, and that confident expectation is meant to undergird our weak hearts and make them strong. And so if you have a hard time waiting, just remember that God is coming back. Jesus is going to return, and he is on the throne, and when he does, everything will be set right. God will dwell with men as he intended at creation. We long for, we look for that day. He continues on in verse 9, and he says this. He says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. The second thing James is encouraging the church here, be patient that the Lord is still working. The Lord is still working. Do you notice the shift in kind of attention that James has here? He says, the first thing, he says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord, kind of following from this this call against the rich. But here he says, do not grumble against who? One another. 
He's specifically going out at the relationships within the church, and I believe within the household as well, those that we are in community, in life with. And so guess what, y'all? We get to apply this with each other. We are patient with one another. And the reminder for us of why we're patient with one another is this, is that the Lord is still working. The picture that the New Testament paints for us is this, is that God has begun a work at salvation, at the day of decision, when you place your faith and trust in Christ, when, when his spirit indwells you, when you respond to the free gift of life that he has purchased through his death and his resurrection, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, when you become a follower of Jesus, make no mistake, your eternity is secure at that day. But the reality is that your sanctification, that is the process of becoming like Jesus, him growing you in righteousness, like helping you uh, move away from prevailing sin in your life and, and unrighteous desires and, and, and these things that would detract or take away. That is a process that continues from the moment of salvation to the end of your life here. And so until you're in the ground somewhere, God is still at work in your sanctification. But the reminder is, I think we're okay with that. I think all of us, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, okay, good, that's good news. He's still working on me. He's not done. But here's where it's even better to apply it. That same reality applies for the person that's sitting next to you, right? The person that you drove here with, the person that's sitting down the row. God is still at work in each of us. You see, this is a good reminder for us because I think sometimes we don't show the grace to others that we expect or desire others to show us. Am I right? Like often in the failure of others, we assume the worst. In the failures of ourselves, there's understanding and there's grace given. Let me just point to traffic as an easy example, right? How many of you this week were cut off or somebody did something, didn't see, didn't use the signal, whatever, kind of slowed too much or, or whatever? And what's our assumption? We're like, oh man, what a terrible driver. They must be so selfish. They don't, they don't think about anybody. My kids, like, <laughs> when I, sometimes I'll be driving, I'm like, man, that person, we, just, we all know he's more important than all of us, right? Let's all get out of his way. Let him go. He clearly has something. Like, like in my heart, there's a little bit of judgment that's happening there, right? I'm just assuming that he's, he's like just being sort of selfish. And what I'm not assuming is, oh, man, that guy just probably had a bad day. And he's like kind of thinking through some things. And he's just a little distracted. Or maybe there's, maybe there's an emergency at home. He needs to get home, right? Man, we should give him some space. Let him, let him get to where he needs to go. Like, our assumption is that that's just guys being a jerk, right? But then when we cut somebody off, we're like, oh, sorry. Like, simple mistake, didn't see you there, or didn't mean to, or, or yeah, you don't understand my situation. Like, I'm kind of running late. I need to get there, you know? So it's like, see, we, we have grace for ourselves that we don't show toward others, and so we need to be careful that we understand this. The patience that we have with one another is this reminder that God is still working. He's still working on me, and he's still working on them. So one kind of place of application where he takes it here is he says, because of that, because of the way that the patience then takes root in our hearts is when we abstain from grumbling, right? He says, do not grumble against one another, now, here's, 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 here's what this means, is that this is not, I think oftentimes when we think about grumbling, we think about the verbal expression of our dissatisfaction, right? It's only when, when it kind of verbalizes and comes out. 
This word grumbling, I was actually a little convicted, so I checked out a couple other commentaries to make sure, like, is that, is that just one guy's perspective or is that kind of universally accepted? No, here's the reality, is that um, I think what's universally accepted is that this is not just talking about a verbal expression. This is actually referring more to the attitude from which that expression flows. So when, when James is saying, do not grumble, he's not saying, don't say things about people. He's saying, don't think things about people. How much harder is that, right? Like, I'm pretty good at kind of keeping things in. Like, I can smile, and, and, and you might not know, but, but, but there might be some thoughts going on, if I'm honest. Sometimes that I'm frustrated, and it's like, oh, man. But he's saying, no, no, no. Don't just, not just not express it, but don't, don't even think it. Like, be careful about the way that you think about others. Why? He says, so that you may not be judged. The judge is standing at the door. He's like, God is the judge, and he's ready to judge. Do you want to be judged with the same judgment with which you are showing one another? And so I think we have to be super careful that we guard ourselves against a grumbling attitude because there are not any exceptions that James gives here. He doesn't say, do not grumble against one another except when you're grumbling to your spouse. Do not grumble against one another except when it's that work buddy that like you just need that opportunity to vent, right? Like, like we, we, I think we try and make some, some clauses or some exceptions. Do you remember the early days of COVID when there was like a stay-at-home order and we were all told to like stay away from everybody? But what did we all do? We all kind of made our own little clusters of people that we hung out with. It's like, okay, I, I can't hang out with anybody, but, but these people are safe. And I can hang out with these six or seven or 10 or 20 or whatever your little cluster was, right? Like these are the people that I'm gonna hang out with. And we were okay with that. I think we do the same thing with our grumbling where we're like, well, it's okay if I grumble in this situation. That's actually what we were kind of talking about even at small group a couple weeks ago. Um, I think the reality is, those of you that are married, I think sometimes with our spouse, we tend to think that we have a hall pass and they understand us and they know our hearts and it's just like we're kind of one anyways, right? Isn't that, isn't that what marriage is? And so I'm kind of grumbling to myself if that's the case. So, um, so it's okay to just kind of grumble uh, to our spouse. I don't think that's the exception that James is making here. I don't think even within marriage that we are to grumble with those that we're married to. I don't think, you know, if you've got a roommate, you've got a best friend, you've got someone that you always kind of talk to, always kind of work these things out, I don't think we're meant to. I don't think we're supposed to just vent. I don't think we're supposed to just kind of think through that. I, what are we supposed to do in that place? I think we're supposed to be patient and take it to the Lord and trust that the Lord is still working. God, you've got this, right? Okay, so I don't need to worry about it. Because you're working on them, I'm gonna take a back seat here and I'm not gonna choose to get all worked up about this thing. Listen, if we can actually apply this church, which I think we're doing a good job, but if we can continue in this together as a church family, like is this not the kind of family that you wanna be? Because man, I sure hope that you show me grace. I promise you I'm gonna let you down. I'm gonna irritate you. I'm gonna say some things that you maybe don't like. I'm gonna forget to do something that hurts your feelings. I'm gonna like... I probably already have. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm thinking about that right now. And, and the reality is this, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm not, I'm not out here to hurt anybody, but I'm probably going to if I haven't already stick around long enough, and I probably will. But the reality is, is that you're going to then do that to me. And if together we can just show each other the grace that we would want to be shown if we're patient with one another, 
and trust that God is the one who's working and I don't have to take that seat and I don't have to do that, then that creates an environment and a place where God can really work. You see, one of the reasons that I think we grow frustrated with the church is because we look around and we look at the very surface level that we're able to see. Like we see a bunch of sort of half-baked, like half-done projects all around. Like God's in the middle of working on all of us. He's not done yet. And so we look around and we're like, man, like why isn't everyone else just, just like killing it and perfect and doing, doing everything great? And so then sometimes we go frustrated with the church because it's, it's full of people that are broken and, and, and still, still dealing with sin and still trying, to, um, still trying to learn and grow in their understanding and application of what the gospel truly means for us. When the reality is, I think if we had the perspective that God has, or even the enemy, I think if the curtain was kind of pulled back a little bit, what we would see is that it is actually a beautiful thing that God is producing. There is an army of believers that is being raised up and he is indwelled with his spirit. He says, it's better for me to go because my helper is going to come. He's given his helper to the church. The Holy Spirit is at work in us. He's indwelled us. And what he is doing, he can do and accomplish only in and through the church. This is his chosen means to reach the world with the gospel. It is so incredibly powerful. And yet we allow some trivial things to break us up, distract us, and to get us discouraged as to what the church truly is supposed to be. Listen, I'm okay kind of walking a long journey with you if you're okay doing that with me. Like I hope for, for many of us that we are still here a decade, two decades, three decades from now. Our church is only five years old. I hope that we are just getting started. I don't know how long I'm gonna be here. I hope I'm able to be here a long time. I know some of you won't be here in two or three decades. That's just the reality, okay, right? Like, that's, I'm not being mean, I'm just saying, like, that's, like, time is gonna pass, and we're, but we have a limited amount of time with each other, and the way that we, the way that we spend it, the way that we treat each other is so, so important. And so he's saying, don't grumble don't grumble against one another because we don't want to be judged in a way that we would judge others in this way. The Lord is still at work. How good is that reminder for us? How much do we need to hear that, right? Parents, you can use this with your kids. Next time they come and they're complaining, they're like, hey, God's still working on your brother. Give him, give him, give him some slack, okay? Hey, God's still doing some things in your sister. Give him some space. It is what we need to be reminded of. James continues in verse 10. He says this, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The reason that we can be patient is this, is because the Lord is faithful. He's coming soon, he's still working, and he is faithful. He has purposes that he is working out in our lives. And the example that, that James takes the church to is, is the Old Testament. Right? He says an example of suffering and patience. You want to see what it looks like? He's like, look at the prophets and look at the life of Job. The prophets, when I think about the prophets, the, the, the biggest example that comes out to my mind is, is Jeremiah. Have you read the book of Jeremiah? Man, he suffered he spoke on behalf of the Lord. He brought the Lord's message to the people of God and he was rejected for it. He was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was like, I mean, there was so much that happened to Jeremiah and we don't see a ton of fruit that was produced, but yet what does it say? 
It says, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. At the time, if you were asking, hey, Jeremiah, how do you feel about the situation that you are currently experiencing? He'd be like, not so great. But now, on this side of it, we look back and he's like, I'm so glad that I remain faithful to what I was called to do. That's what he means by when we, we look and we can see that we consider now, behold, we consider now those who are blessed that remain steadfast. We can see the fruit of that faithfulness. The same is true in the life of Job, right? If you know the story of Job, he lost everything. He lost, his children died, his um, property was, was lost, his business was lost. Eventually he had, um, his health was, was taken and so there he is with a group of friends that are, are, are kind of not giving the greatest advice. His wife is, 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 is kind of encouraging him to just like curse and, and renounce his trust in God. And it isn't until the very final chapters of the book of Job that Job finally turns a corner and recognizes that God is still faithful. He's still working in the midst of these difficult circumstances. And so the reminder for us, if there's, if there's a couple places we're going to go, you just wouldn't, you know, it's the story of Job that's not super encouraging until the very end. And that's the thing. He knew that they knew their Bibles. He knew that they, Job walked through suffering, and God was faithful through it. He was an example of steadfastness. Notice how they didn't say he was an example of not grumbling <laughs> or patience. He was steadfast. He remained faithful to the Lord and you see the purposes of the Lord at work in his life. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. I know, church, that we don't often think about it this way, but the suffering that you and I experience, whether it's suffering through our own choices or through the choices of others or just through the broken world that we live in, God never wastes the opportunity to shape us more and more into the person that he would have us become. That's where this book began. You can flip back a page in your in your Bible to James chapter one, verse two. He says, count it joy, my brothers. Remember that? That's where we started this whole series. Count it joy, my brothers. Why? When you meet trials of various kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God is using the trials, using the difficulty, using these challenges that we are experiencing, the suffering in us to shape us so that we might be lacking in nothing, that he might mature us and make us complete. And how many of us were like, oh yeah, we looked at that just not that many weeks ago and, and we still need to be reminded of it because we, get, we find ourselves in a place of difficulty and we forget, God, what are you doing right now? But the reality is, is that he is faithful, he is using it. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves so that he would shape us into the people that he would have us be. He's faithful. He is not abandoned. He's not far off. He's not being mean. He's not being unkind. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He was faithful to Jeremiah. He was faithful in the life of Job. And he will be faithful in your life in the trial that you are presently walking through right now. We can rest with confidence in the faithfulness of our God. And then verse 12, he kind of wraps it up with this call to be honest in our conversation. He says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Uh, we can kind of say it this way, be patient because the Lord is watching. Notice 
God is watching even the very speech that we have. So we're not to grumble with one another. We're also not to be manipulative in our speech with one another. That's kind of what he's getting at there with like, don't make an oath by heaven, by earth, or any other oath. See, sometimes what would happen is to try and uh, maybe sway someone or, um, I don't know, get their way or get them off your case, kind of get them off your back. You're like, listen, it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, may God curse me. May God kill me. Like, that's the oath. That's, that's what it's making. So it's kind of taking the Lord's name and then, and then making some promise, sort of tying it to the Lord. And he's like, you don't need to do that. Just like when you say yes, let it be yes. And when you say no, let it be no. Man, there's so many places that we could take that. Some of us maybe just need to be reminded of that. that there just needs to be some honesty in our speech. If you can't do it, just say, I can't do it. If you're going to do it, then, then do it. Say, say yes when you're going to do it. But listen, we don't need to try and move and sway others or try and you know, manipulate through conversation. Again, out of a lack of patience or our desire to see something accomplished here and now. And the reminder is that the Lord is watching. He sees even and hears the words that we are speaking so that you may not fall under condemnation. It's a good reminder for us, right, that the Lord is watching and hearing the things that we say. He's watching the things that we think. Man, back in verse four, remember the rich. It says, behold, the wages of the laborer who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud. My thought is that the rich thought that they had gotten away, right? They had made a couple extra bucks. They had hold, held back these wages. And so therefore, the, the rich were kind of off, off free and that nobody saw it. But what, what does it say here? It says, no, no, it says, the, uh, the laborers who mowed, out, mowed your fields, which you kept back, they're crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. I think God, the point is that this, God sees and cares a lot more about the things than we think he does. It's not just the big things. It's all the little things God is present and working and watching in. And so even, even down to our conversation, it matters how we are waiting with patience for the working of the Lord. So I would say this, I just love to kind of land us here, is that, you know, some of us, we find ourselves a room this size, like this many people in the room, we came in here in different places this morning. Some of us, things are going great. And the way that you took your notes this morning is, is this is a good reminder. I'm going to tuck this away. And maybe in a few months, you kind of wander your way back to it. And you're like, I remember James saying something about that. I should go back and look at that again. And you're going to pull those notes out. You're going to look again. And you're going to be reminded of what it says. Others of you, you need this reminder here this morning. Because the reality is this, is that you are waiting on the Lord for something. Some of us, if we were to you know, go around and share Hey, where are you waiting for the Lord to work? Some of us are waiting for the Lord to work in very, very significant ways. And it's taking so much longer than we would desire. Right? Why? Well, we started by saying we're conditioned for an instant kind of download society. We don't want to wait for the phone to connect to the internet and for that download to happen. We want it now. We want the results. We want the change. We want the product. We want whatever it is. We want it now. We want God to give us that which we want now. And we want out of the situation. We want the situation to change. We want people to change. And we said that the patience is not so much about circumstances, not so much about things. What he's really getting after it is with each other. And so maybe, what a timely, timely message for us. So many great places that we can apply this. 
we just had um, we just had elections, right? How many of us thought when we went to bed on Tuesday night that we were going to wake up on Wednesday morning and then everything was going to be great? <laughs> we laughed because like we did, we knew that we knew that it was going to be just as much of a, a confused kind of mess as it was. Like we. We do this. We go through these cycles, and we, we, we kind of put our trust in, in different things. Here we are getting ready to, to gather together with family. And some of us, we love our family, but they drive us nuts. We're excited to see them, but we can't wait till it's over. Right? Like, that, that, that's some of, our, some of our realities. And the reality is this, is we have people around us that think differently. We have people around us that are living kind of differently than we would desire. There's, there's all sorts of things, but, but what has God called us to do? He's called us to be patient to be compassionate and merciful like he is toward us and to be gracious with one another. And listen, church, if we're going to do anything of any value, we have got to learn to show this kind of compassion and patience toward each other. Because think about it, the Lord is so patient with us. How patient, how many times does he remind us, right? How many times do we get to mess up? How many times does that happen? And he shows grace what did we say a couple weeks ago? But he gives more grace, James 4, 6. He gives more grace. And this is a good, good reminder for us that we would show each other the same patience that the Lord is showing with us. God is so good. He's so patient to us. So let's look to him as our example, as the founder, the perfecter of our faith. Let's wait on the Lord for his timing, for his working, trusting that he's gonna accomplish that which only he can do Let's pray. Our God, we need your help in this. It's so easy for us to grow frustrated and impatient. Lord, with your progressive sanctification. God, sometimes that's in our own lives, but oftentimes we are frustrated with that process in the lives of others. And so God, I just ask for us, I wanna ask corporately on behalf of our church body, God, that you would help us together grow in our patience with each other. God, you are coming soon, and when you do, you are gonna put all things right. Lord, you are present now, and you are working in the difficult situations that we have and that we find ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us the patience with one another. God, help this not to just be words on a page, but Lord, life-giving application that we seek to go and to do, trusting you and your direction in it this week. Lord, I pray for your change in our hearts. Lord, remind us of your faithfulness toward us. God, you've been so faithful. God, you've been so good. And so when we find ourselves in a place of difficulty, suffering, sometimes at the hands of others, Lord, would we wait, wait on you, knowing, trusting, God, that you are present, you are working, God, you are faithful. We believe this, we declare this. In Jesus' name, amen.